This is The Big Sci-Fi Podcast. The biggest, most fun podcast in the galaxy. We're Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, and we love talking all things science fiction. This is season four, but our human adventure is just beginning as we gather around our computer consoles to discuss the science fiction of film, television, and literature. Join us on our quest for fun and fascination as we go where no podcast has gone before. Everyone has permission to come aboard the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, but make sure to find your seat fast because we're taking off in three, two, one. Hit it. This podcast is a part of the Trek Geeks Network. The year is 1998. I was a college student struggling to find my path in the world, and I was really struggling in more ways than one. My first go around with college wasn't my proudest season in life. I had dreams, but just as I was failing at the whole studying thing and feeling like my life was on the brink of falling apart, a little film came out called Star Trek Insurrection. In fact, I want to confess on this very podcast for the first time that I was doing so poorly in school that I skipped a final exam to see this film with my dad. Wait. (laughs) Literally. You were were doing poorly, so you skipped the exam? Yeah, that's how much, how poor decisions I was making. I mean, how was that going to help? It just, it didn't, it didn't. (laughs) But I got to say, wow, does that feel good to finally get that out? And dad, if you're listening, I'm an adult now and he can't really do anything. Plus, I think in the end, things turned out all right. But seriously, Brian, folks... this is your father. <laughs> get to your room right now. I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> but seriously, you guys, this is my introduction. <laughs> but seriously, folks. This film came out at a time in my life when I felt like a complete and absolute failure, like a fraud. I mean, I was not well on the inside. Doing my best to hide it, I had so much fear about the mistakes I'd made, the choices I was making at the time, like skipping a vinyl exam to see this film. All that being said, this film was a short-lived bright spot for me back then. But enough about me moving right along. Star Trek Insurrection is a film that often gets overlooked in the series of Trek films, probably for a good reason. It would have made a fantastic episode of TNG, but it lacked the grandness of a motion picture on the big screen, at least in my opinion, especially as a follow-up from the immensely successful and huge film, First Contact. It has its own, fl- excuse me, it has its own flair, though. It boasted an incredible guest cast, such as F. Murray Abraham, Donna Murphy, whom I might have fallen in love with when this film came out, Anthony Zerby, Daniel Hugh Kelly, and other strong supporting characters throughout. This film has an absolutely stellar, out-of-this-world soundtrack, thanks to the genius of Jerry Goldsmith. It has the whimsical touches of Jonathan Frakes as the director, coming off the triumph that was First Contact. It's got a lot of humor throughout the film as well. It really is a bit different from all the other Trek films. It stands out with its own style. We have all recently rewatched Insurrection for the sake of this podcast episode and have gained hopefully some fresh perspective. But before we dive headfirst into this conversation, I'd like to thank the Trek Geeks Podcast Network for being awesome and for letting our little podcast be a part of their terrific network. Make sure to check out all the other great and fun podcasts on the network by visiting Trek Geeks. Also, please do us the favor, pretty please, by liking and sharing this podcast with all of your friends. And if you 
really like our podcast, please do us the honor of writing a review on whatever platform you listen to. Now, ladies and gentlemen, or perhaps aliens everywhere who might be picking up this signal from the far reaches of outer space. Hopefully it's not the Sona, though, because those guys will just want to relocate us in our sleep. It's my pleasure to introduce the other members of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, Adina. Hey, everybody. Chris. Hello. And Steve. You can now breathe, Brian. Ah, yes, I can. I feel so much better after getting all those, all that stuff off my chest. I'm Brian, as Steve just said. And have you guys noticed how your boobs are starting to firm up? Not that we worry about these things. No, I'm really very concerned. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite lines from the movie, and I think an hysterical line in uh, all of Trek films. Uh, all right, guys. So we're gonna dive right into this, okay? Hmm. Because it's been a long time. We, I think it's the, is it 25 years since yes. Insurrection yes. came out? Yeah. This, yeah. this December yeah. that it will be. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So unintentional early 25th celebration episode of Star Trek Insurrection. Um, but opening sequences are really important to films typically. What do you guys think of the opening sequence in the Baku village and Berserk Data? running around let's start with it. steve oh wow. you know what okay. let's start with chris he already said okay. i love it so let's okay. let him Go ahead, chris. that line of thought yeah i um now this is a this brian i think you'll appreciate this but like the score of just them hanging on the village going about their day is is beautiful love that score and then i just love how it cuts like there's this really cool camera shot of um uh, like some people running around. I think Anish is carrying some flowers and then it starts to zoom out a little bit. And then you see it from the perspective of the screen and you're like, oh, what's this? And then you see the the cool Starfleet, uh, Starfleet people in their base. So I love right. that stuff. And I think the action is pretty cool. And I like how it keeps cutting from, okay, they're tracking data, they're watching him, but then they cut to, you don't see data, you just see people being thrown in water and like people freaking mm-hmm. out. So I think it's effective. Uh, I, I love the opening. I don't think it's like the strongest ever, but I think it does a good job of, uh, of getting you interested in the episode or the, the movie. That's the secret mm-hmm. to this movie. Mm-hmm. Is it, it really, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great episode, a great, very expensive episode. <laughs> right, <you know? laughs> Steve, what do you think? My friend, well, uh, I wrote this down, and I also have some other comments in the same sequence of what I wrote. So here you go. Not too highly. We are thrown into the opening, not knowing why Data went cray-cray, who these people were that were trying to get them, and how in the world did the Sona and the Federation build such an elaborate post without the Baku knowing it was happening? It seems so James Bondish. The evil guy can have an amazing outpost, and no one notices it happening or how it was made. And these were not just farmers. These were amazing people that liked the simple life, yet had technological skills to marvel the Federation. And I guess I missed it. But they weren't but why- using it. They weren't using any of their technology. Right, but, yeah. but if they're that smart... They should have noticed, hey, up on the hill, someone's building a, a watching post and but they're have, cloaking it. No, you, 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 put, well, that's the thing. You, you put the you put the cloak, you put the force <laughs> okay. shield up, uh, and then you Mr. go behind Chairman. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let very, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. For after. Right, right, okay. That's fine. This way. 
And and I guess I missed out, but why would the Federation pony up with the Sona? What was the end result? What was the Federation going to get from it? Did the Sona do this out of pure revenge? And later in the film, Riker sends a message, and all of a sudden the Federation is against it. Also, where was the insurrection in this film? No one tried to overthrow a government. This was a kidnapping event. The only issue was Picard and friends going against orders. So maybe this film should have been called Star Trek Insubordination? <laughs> and I make this argument because the definition of a insurrection is a violent uprising against an authority or a government. Now, yes. the authority could have been the admiral, but that's really no, insubordination. See, I agree. I agree with you but yeah. i think the answer is that the I, I agree with a lot of your comments especially that bit about where's the insurrection i think the intent of the insurrection was the sona against the baku and the fact that i, th I think that's the insurrection not against starfleet yeah. or, or against mm, the federation but their yeah. internal insurrection maybe because I, I had the same thing as i was yeah. watching it i was like what yeah wait, i was like wait what? a second what is the actual yeah, yeah. The, the name of the movie doesn't completely match up Right. So, okay. Well, thank so you for that, well. That's how I'm. That. So that's how I'm like trying to justify it. I could be wrong. That's interesting because I've always th I always thought of it as um, Picard and his crew rebelling against Admiral Doherty, but also the Federation, who mm -hmm. at one point in time, even if they only knew so much, or the truth was masked, being mm -hmm. masked about how they were going to collect all these particles so that they could have the you know the discovery of everlasting life or whatever eternal youth um that that was the answer i never applied it to the sona who were actually baku mm -hmm. oh, right spoiler mm -hmm. alert sorry we what, what? We that's your said, spoiler my alert. brother well yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. people knew we were talking about a whole movie 25 year old years film. ago okay, okay. Yeah. 25 a 25 year old, old movie yeah, yeah so yeah. chris had some rebuttals i can't wait Go I ahead, said, Chris. So I think like so there's a number of things. So I think like, okay, well, who's data being chased by? Why he's why is he going crazy? I think that's fine not knowing because that's what's supposed to like that's what should be the mystery. This is like the teaser. This is like the oh, what the heck is going on? I can't wait to find out why data's gone crazy. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's a flaw that you don't know because I don't think you're supposed to. You're supposed to be curious um about it. Now, granted, that might not be the strongest teaser ever. But I think the intention is you're supposed to be um, like, okay, wow, I need now I want to see the rest of the movie so we can learn why Data was doing this. And then you find out fairly quickly. I think it's like 20 minutes into the movie that you find out. I'm just trying to think of when you find out because it's after you get Data uh, back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, roughly. So I don't think it's like, I don't think it's bad that it's um, that there's a mystery there. I think it's just a question of do you personally find that the, the mystery is strong? I like it only because it's one of the things where I fall with Star Trek, where it's like, I just love watching Star Trek. And so I love the movie, even though I know it's not a great movie. So I don't think the average mm -hmm. person is going to love that mystery, but I don't think it's wrong for them to build it. It's just not a strong mystery. And then around the whole spying thing, it's, it's far-fetched, but they already established that in um, season three. Mm. Where they're able just the to watchers. go, on, yeah, mm. where they're just able to go onto planets and and. Well, but in who oh, watches yeah. the watchers, the people they're watching, it, they are they do not With, have the technology. They wouldn't yeah. know. The I think the only difference here is 
because we've seen how they've displayed cloaking and stuff. There's like a little possibly little shimmer that you might see it. So the, I guess the only thing that I'll support Steve on is, well, if one of the Baku accidentally saw the shimmer, they might have the knowledge or know-how of like, hmm, that's suspicious. Where mm-hmm. the folks in Who Watches the Watchers, they would just walk on it. They wouldn't, it wouldn't, probably wouldn't register with them that there was something or, odd. Or it would just be this paranormal experience yeah. of yeah. saw something weird. But would yeah. their technology have advanced? Like, would they have made more of an effort to advance that tech after the Who Watched the Watchers incident? So that maybe by the time they, maybe there was that same rock, that that rock face. And so I don't know if they would be able to like project, the, make it a hologram mm-hmm. without it shimmering or something. Well, I, I don't I, know. Again, in, in the movie, they were not detected. Data forced the detection to happen. Data uh-huh. basically blew the thing up. Okay. Yeah. So at where in who watches the watchers, that was an accident. So yeah. even if they did some improvements, data blasted the heck out of the thing. So mm-hmm. and whatever couple, improvements they might have made. Yeah. A couple things to keep in mind too. We learned later on in the film when Picard is having discussions with the knees and and uh I can't remember Sojim. So yeah, Sojim. Uh that they actually do have technology, that they have the capability and knowledge of technology. So mm-hmm. the Federation and Sona observers, they wouldn't have known they had those capabilities necessarily Okay. Um, before that. So that's that's one thing, a possible answer. If the mm-hmm. creators and writers of this film even went that deep with it, you know, um, but it's, it's again, I was, for me, uh, I, Adina, I'll let you kind of mm-hmm. share your thoughts too. I've, I realize I haven't done that yet. But for me, um, it, it was just, I didn't like the guys walking around the community in the suits. I was okay with them observing them, but like the guys walking around in the suits, they surely would, I mean, they were walking right around these people as they were doing their everyday lives they wouldn't and walking on gravel so yeah gravel sticks keep them from making sounds on the earth and you mm-hmm. know what i mean and the suits might have been invisible but sure i mean they looked rubberized or plastic surely those things made an incredible squeak as they were mm-hmm. walking you know like just so that part of it was i think the sequence was fine the action part of it was kind of fine but uh, they, I, just, they just I didn't like show, the guys walking around. Yeah, they just wanted to show when when Data takes off his helmet. Oh, look at the head floating <laughs> in the air! All that by was, I used to love that effect. That, that was, was a neat effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's cute. and it still yeah, holds up. It looked yeah, good. Yeah, it looks good. No, yeah, it, does. I watched it does. It does. But it's like they they helped, they they built that all up just so they could do that one joke, and then of course everybody's suits come out and everything's out. And but what were they? Why were they watching them? That's the thing I don't understand. What were they achieving when they were and they had this giant device up in right. orbit around the planet that was going to do something dastardly to the rings, to whatever the whatever the Sona were going to do? And and if the Sona knew that they had regenerative living ability on this planet, why didn't they just land there and live there? Then they well, would have gotten go the, to oh, a no, different because what part they, of the they, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to steal whatever particles to do something with their technology. Yeah. They they don't want to live in that situation. They want to live with their tech. They want to live offward with their technology. Okay. So stealing the so particles. They, so is they're going to steal all it. the particles and yeah. stuff. That's that's fine. Yeah. But what it else? was that they, they would have just without the Federation, the Sona would have just killed everybody. They would right. have collected the particle. Right. It was it was they must have for some reason down the line needed the Federation to be a part well, of. 
of this. And the Federation it, needed to get something out of it as but, well. Was it in Federation space? Well, no, it's like, yeah, we have the, what is it? That we, that was the line. We have the planet. They have the technology. Right, you know what right. that makes us? Partners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he says being it. in Federation space, they can't yeah. just come and just do whatever they want to a Federation world without repercussions. So they right. had to, right. They had to. Mm-hmm. But they had to prove something to the Federation that, you know, by letting you be part of, you know, tech, maybe yeah. that was it. Yeah, they couldn't maybe. replicate the technology or something when yeah. they're mm-hmm. like, we are best scientists. But again, this wasn't scientists. explained. We're assuming this. Let no, 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 no. They, it's so, explained. No, there's, explained. Yeah. there's the, it's the. Um, that line uh, about the partners that one the, of you just said. Yeah, yeah. it's like the, my favorite. How many people does it take, Admiral? I love that speech. Like, yeah. regardless <laughs> of what you say about that movie, that that whole speech is fantastic. I think it's and they in that do this scene. on television. They do this in a two-part episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's all. And so, rather than again, we're looking at the last thing. The last thing was there, which was Star Trek: First Contact. How they explained everything in that film. You left nothing to the imagination as uh, to the I don't why. Know if that's where... entirely true. I, I think they explained a lot more in this film. Like really? there was like, well, okay. maybe not explain isn't the right word, but like the last third, like the final act of the movie, is I I could be wrong about this, but I feel like it's the most techno babble that we have heard in Trek when hmm. they're when they're like, okay, I'm gonna go board the collector. Oh, now we're gonna be now we're gonna lower the shields. We're gonna mm-hmm. raise the tachy. We're gonna fire tachyon pulses. Now we have mm-hmm. to be within 500 meters of the ship, and now we have to do whatever, whatever, whatever. Right, right, and It's right, just right, like right. it's a lot of tech stuff that they yeah. bring. Then we up. gotta mm. dump the warp core and blow it up, and then like, okay, I how are we getting did. home, kids, without a warp core? I love oh, that. That's right. But yeah. none of that stuff mm. is in the opening <laughs> sequence of the film, which right. is what right. we were supposed to be talking about. Sorry, Adina. folks. So the Sorry, opening folks. sequence. Yes. Okay, the well, no, this is great because like, I get to pull all my comments Please on do. y'all stuff and stuff. There. Well, I, I have to say, the opening sequence is gorgeous. The The whole village is just beautiful. And one of the things, I guess, you know, that, that makes this I don't know. It doesn't make it a movie, but one of the, the differences between a movie and a TV mm-hmm. show is you would never have gotten that scenery and that detail in a village in a tv show and the you know brian you had shared with us a link some behind the scenes Mm -hmm. stuff and i watched i was able to watch most of it not all of it and i'm glad i did because well even though i thought that village was gorgeous this gave me an even greater appreciation for what they went through to create that and how excited they were to put that together because right that's not something that you can do with the budget and the timing of a tv show yeah. you, know, you can't really get out there and yeah. make like a whole village and so yeah so it's beautiful i love the scene from the aesthetic point of view but then yes when it actually the action starts happening my issue with those guys running around the village is they're are too many of them like so yes in addition to like you know the sounds and everything like no accidents like just bumping into something like i don't know like i think and, and of course to try and make things make sense i'm trying to make things make sense in my head i think the reason why they're wandering around the village is to continue to, to collect all the detailed data for oh, the reproduction for the holograph for right the... because it's got to be uh, that makes sense so okay. they got to go into like every crevice and everything. So, but still, I felt like there are too many people. So that but, bothered me a little bit. But I bit. applaud you, Adina, on that yeah. statement. I yeah. applaud you on that. That 
that makes that answers well, so many questions in my mind. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I agree with you on that. Kind of it kind of works. It sure seemed like it. Yeah, it sure seemed like that. Still, there's still too there's still too many of them for like what they're what they're doing. So yeah, so I, I do think that there's a lot of the setup. And the reasons and why there's a few things that are a mm-hmm. bit of a stretch, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think from a CGI, you know, all the computer graphics and all the sequence, though that was all great too. You know, data mm-hmm. popping out of a suit and all, then everyone popping out of their suits. You know that that was great. And yes, watching it 25 years later, I right, I would have thought the movie was made last year. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, it, that part of it certainly holds up, but okay. I still think this is from a what's happening overall. I mean, I know this is going beyond the first sequence, but That's yeah, this is this was a an episode. Yeah, like maybe a two part episode. And it yeah. would have been we would be raving about what a great two part episode it was yeah. too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it yeah. really would be, um, I, you know, and not quite on the level of a best of both worlds um thing but it i think if this had been a two-part episode we would be remembering it as a really good two-part episode Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, and i think that's perhaps uh partly to blame the first contact because that was just so triumphant it was so so big and and then this film although they intentionally went a different direction they didn't want to make another first contact Mm -hmm. um and they wanted it to have a different feel and flavor to it. And it certainly did. So from that point of view, I think that it's, you know, again, that's why I like the opening sequence. I think it's a lovely, beautiful, serene, yeah, very much along the way I felt watching Lord of the Rings and Hobbiton. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, just. I have a hard time with that opening. I'm okay. like, it's a little uh, too long. Okay, but but again, I when I when I look opening. at that opening sequence, I kept thinking about the episode of the person you interviewed the last time, the inner light. Mm-hmm. It seemed like that same idyllic mm. village where everyone was an artisan and technology wasn't the thing though they in the inner light they i guess they built i just been a while since mm-hmm. i've seen it mm-hmm. they built a spacecraft that could launch the probe into the in, away from their planet to send the message mm-hmm. in a bottle so it i kept looking going boy it's just that i had that same feel mm, i had that same it feel had and it, similar it had it, it not so exactly I, I but i just similar. i could see it yeah. it just had that same you know farmer right. peaceful the, i a place you could settle down and raise a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of a place. I would live in this village. Yeah. I'd visit the village. I, don't techn- I, would, live I would visit too. There's no technology. <laughs> I want my technology. I, I, you're right. I would, vi- I would visit. I don't <laughs> it's a know. Nice you know what, though? I okay. live real near, uh, well, about roughly 45 minutes to an hour away from a large Amish community and series of Amish communities, of course. And then all of us from the outside world come in and buy all of their products and mm-hmm. eat at their restaurants and stay in their mm-hmm. inns and all that stuff. Um, and I've actually been inside a home, a friend of my mm-hmm. in-laws, and they've baked fresh bread and pie for us and had mm-hmm. fresh coffee and been inside their carpetless uh, house, you know, and everything and sat there for about three hours drinking the hottest coffee on earth, by the way. <laughs> and it took three hours to take the first sip. And uh, it, and I sat there going, you know, there is a romantic thing mm-hmm. about this way of life that 
Um, sure, you know, I love my cell phone. I love having access mm -hmm. to technology, mm -hmm. um, being in contact with anyone in the world I want to, you know, um, tremendous. But at the same time, hmm. Well, I don't when, know. Uh, when yeah, we it's not for me. <laughs> when we were coming back from Yellowstone and we were driving through Iowa and just miles and miles of farmland that was just so stretched out. And my daughter turned to me and said, how can people live like this? And I said, they're probably very, very happy because their lives are okay, simple. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Living away from people, physically living away from people, okay. and living without technology are two totally different well, things. We were, we were there in the, mid, in the early 90s, so mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of technology like we have like now. Like there is today. Yeah. Sure, right. but they still could have had technology and wanted technology. And those, again, those are two different things. Yeah. You right. can yeah. live yeah. like where there's, you know, there's kilometers between you and the next person and you can be technology up the wazoo or you can live bunker to bunker with people and have no technology. Like that, well, those are again, two different concepts. Wow. The same people in living in Akron, Ohio, <laughs> the Amish probably feel that, hey, our lives are pretty good. No, I'm sure. Wow. Yeah. And that's yeah. not, again, that there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. There's yeah. nothing yeah. wrong yeah. with that. So mm -hmm. day spa in, in Baku village. I think okay, we got the answer. You go yes, there for a day spa. Has the answer. All right. All right. So I'm Mariner and the crew go there. Okay. Never know. We've gone. You guys, <laughs> you guys were way more passionate about this opening sequence than I anticipated. <laughs> As okay, I it said, the tone. It sets the tone. So go. As, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. As I Got said in my oft-interrupted introduction today, uh, <laughs> this film boasts a strong cast, uh, especially guest cast, I should say. Who is your favorite guest star in this film, or who did you just enjoy? It's okay mm -hmm. to have a couple to drop oh, yeah. a couple Ooh, names because we know Adina is going to not just pick one. Well, I mean, that's actually a funny thing is I just there was no one when I first saw the movie. I don't think I recognized anyone, mm -hmm. and even now, other than Anthony Zervi, I don't know if I actually really recognize anyone. Mm -hmm. But that's I mean, they were fine. There was nothing. They were all perfectly fine right. actors but to me there was no one i was like oh i know who they are yeah who, consider who this you know? i, I was, was just they were just there they i were was just quite actors. the uh nerd in the day i loved um in the day back in the day <laughs> <laughs> like you're not you now yesterday you mean <laughs> right right <laughs> i was i was uh even more of a star trek nerd than i am now ignore the wall behind me filled with star trek stuff um <laughs> but uh i loved um uh Cromwell's portrayal of what's his name in First Contact? Uh, uh is that from Cochrane? Right. from Cochrane. That's wrong movie. First contact <laughs> Kirk Con First Contact had contact. great guest stars. Mm -hmm. Right. Um yeah. and and that's something they boasted of in all the special edition and extras they talked about behind the scenes was the strong guest cast. Um and they did the same in the special stuff for insurrection f murray abraham an academy award winner for um amadeus um you know donna murphy an, an acclaimed broadway actress um and oma and anthony zerby of course and i remember watching the film being so excited about it and while i think these actors did a fine job with what they were given i don't think there was a ton of meat for them yeah. i think i think there was kind of i think probably f murray abraham 
really did a phenomenal acting job giving it what he did <laughs> mm-hmm. to make the character, to make all of the things that going on inside of them real and for us to really buy it and everything. They probably did superb, but for me, like, you know, I, I would have liked a lot more from the Doherty character. I would mm-hmm. have liked a lot more background to him for one thing. And then what really makes him tick and the turmoil he was really going through. I just don't think yeah, it was just right. Him. It was just kind of very transactional, mm-hmm. very like mm-hmm. yeah. matter of fact. And We're not turning right. this ship around. Like that yeah. scene was so anticlimactic for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when he finally s- stood up and said, hey, we're not going to do this after all. Yeah. It was just but, like, okay. But yeah. Do we not love, can we just acknowledge, I think I just love this line where he kills him. And then he's like, Admiral Dowerty will not be joining us for dinner. And I'm like, that what a cool good. line. Yes, yeah, I like that, that was line. a good line. That was worth that, it. Well, <laughs> that is why there are for good me, lines in the movie. That's yeah. why it has a lot of good moments. Yeah. This is what I would call, I always, I always, Talk, uh, use this term when I'm talking about like specific movies. This is an aspect movie where I'm like, hmm. I like a lot of specific aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But the whole is kind of I would agree mediocre. with that. Yep. Completely agree with that. I agree with you, Chris. F. Murray Abraham, he was, I enjoyed him, and I knew it was him right away. The rest of the other actors who played the Sona, it was hard to tell who anyone was with the Brazil cosmetic treatment they got and if you haven't seen the movie brazil you're See not getting one. a joke you know yadina you know i know, oh, I know yeah. there's some that's a great complications, movie some complications <laughs> to the surgery yes that's well, a movie we should all watch and talk about yes thank you i think I agree. but it wasn't it was funny it wasn't me elaine's watching it my wife and she's going that reminds me of brazil and she hasn't seen that movie in decades so it was that you know, it stood off. But other than that, you're right. F. Murray, he had all the best lines, really, for his as a you know the supporting actor to mm-hmm. the others. And you could tell that great line, "Your grace, Chris." It was just great. But and he was the one that was tortured the most. He really, you know, when he's fighting with Picard over preventing the device from being destroyed, um, everything or nothing, I guess, in his case. So yeah, the mm-hmm. rest of them, yeah. It was it was good, but not as strong as him. Yeah, I, I think probably what yeah the the prosthetics made it difficult to really for emotion to come through. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think some of the moments that were supposed to be a little bit more emotional, like when you find out who they are, that they're you know the kids of the Baku and stuff. Yeah, it should have been a little bit more emotional, but that it just could have been uh, very difficult with the stuff on their face. Yeah, and and why were they like that? Why did they have to wear the skin of their victims on their faces. No, that, no, no, no. That was no, no. That was <laughs> firefly, because they want to be just as long lived. But because they're, they're no longer living on the planet, they're aging. So this is their anti aging treatments that they're uh, dealing with until they can deal with the technology and, okay, and properly okay. anti age. Okay, because yeah. it was yeah. you know, Elaine said like it, it almost had the the Darth Vader treatment underneath the skin where it was all yeah. disfigured and burnt or whatever. Yeah, no, that yeah. was them, like that was all the People. the cosmetic surgery gone like taken to extreme. Then we're right back to Brazil with the complications. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. It totally, yeah. It's totally makes sense. It's a yes. Brazil thing. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I wanted to say, which I think is, it's always funny because. I was really young when this came out, so I didn't know who any of these guys are. Mm. And I always felt like when I found out that, oh, it's F. Murray Abraham, and it's like, he's a big deal. It's like, 
I always thought, man, it would really, I'm sure he would hate to meet me because I'm always going to think of F. Murray Abraham as, oh, he's the guy from Insurrection, <laughs> not not Amadeus. Yes, so right. Amadeus is you know, uh, yeah. enemy. I haven't seen that in like a bazillion, I guess I didn't realize that was who he was. Yeah. Because I've seen Amadeus, but like 30 yeah. years ago. So Scaliari? Really, uh, he played so the I other just, music, mm-hmm. um, yeah. composer, Scaliari, I think it was I can picture in my head just a couple scenes from that movie. Yeah. And I can hear Requiem. Oh, yeah. He's great when he's head. sitting next to Amadeus yeah. and he's taking down the musical notes on paper for him. He's like, oh, he knows it's genius. He knows he's he's better than him, and it hate and he hates it. He hates that Amadeus is better than he comes across so good. That that's that's not a Star Trek or a science fiction film, kids. Nope. But no. Amadeus, it's a good one. It's watch it. worth watching. Absolutely. I feel like he. I just imagine that he's not someone that wants to talk about interaction. And I kind of feel like, even though I love him in this, but I, I imagine that if I ever meet him, it's like, no, don't, don't, I don't mention know. I interaction. Bet, I, bet, I bet he would be, so? I think as an actor, he would be very flattered and pleased that you enjoyed his performance. And I, mean, I think oh, we okay. all did. Yeah. Um, yeah. In yeah, this absolutely. film, I think, I think it's just, unfortunately, the film uh, is not as big as they made it feel like as you're watching the special behind the scenes stuff they're mm-hmm. like this is the largest film trek film we've ever made you know so many extra outside locations and yeah it's uh, amazing all that stuff and, mm-hmm. and it is it's beautiful i love mm-hmm. the mountains in this film oh god uh, the yeah llamas. gorgeous in the, that behind the scenes i was going to mention they that. were talking about yeah. the llamas and the kissy the kissy llamas mm-hmm. Well, that's what I thought was funny is if you watch behind the scenes, it's like the actors are really struggling. I, I got the sense they were hmm, struggling really? to come up with good stuff to say because I felt like I were watching a lot of behind the scenes. A lot of it was focused on the location. Like, yeah, this is what was, we're going to be yeah. pitching. Dr. And, Crusher was like, or Gates McFadden, rather. I know, mm-hmm. Ken. Well, I know Gates I know, McFadden I know, plays Crusher. Right. Yes, yes, we know that. But <laughs> that's who the characters in the movie. I feel so, like if I'm an actor who I've played this role for bazillion years mm. on a sound stage to actually go out into the right. world and be in this unique location. That's a, I feel like that's a big deal. Pretty so I feel cool. like I didn't feel like they were struggling. I feel like this is like the, like from their perspective, this might actually be like really, really freaking awesome and different and interesting and new and unique to them. And so a lot of the, we saw the, I got. at that's the end where they, where they filmed this and it was up in Mammoth Mountain up mm-hmm. yep. Mammoth Lakes area mm-hmm. up north of California. I've been there many times. I've skied there lots of times. Oh, it's absolutely so beautiful. Truly is. But I kept thinking like, is this Switzerland? Are they shooting this in Austria? Because it just, right. yeah. it looks so beautiful. And yeah. yes, there is that portion of Northern California that is like that. So, uh-huh. so well, <laughs> go ahead, Chris. Before I was going to say, on. what about the, the middle of the movie? Because we've done the intro. We haven't discussed even the Enterprise. I don't Enterprise remember the yet. middle. What happened? Oh, the Enterprise. Or, like, okay. The Enterprise yeah. Right, uh, wait, but, I, I, wait, but I'm dying to find oh. out who the cameo is. All right. Who is All the right. special oh, yes. person? So, yes. Question three. I, I, that do, I do. I think we should linger for a moment with Christian's thing because uh, this film, I believe, and I'm about, to, I, I guess it's question number four. This, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong was the first Trek film where all the out, outer space uh, exterior shots of the ship were all CGI. I think mm-hmm. so. That sounds true. I remember mm-hmm. that being a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, what do you guys think of the Enterprise-E 
in how it looks in this film. Just and we can just stay here for a minute, but uh, before we move on, because there, I know you guys want to hear well, a special thing I it, have here. It on looks this. Good. And this better not be Jar Jar Binks as this special <laughs> guest, okay? Because I'm going to be upset. It, it looks good, but it's no Enterprise D. Amen, looks, sister. It, it, Amen. That's, it, that's it. It looks terrifically fun. I I was I miss excited. The Enterprise D. Yeah, that that was really I, it. That was, but I do like that they did do that little bit with the captain's yacht. Yes, yeah, that, that was, was very cool. cool. I mm-hmm. like that. So, yep. That's we are going to talk about that in a moment. Um, yeah. But Christian, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah. You so brought e, up e is my favorite. I think it's my favorite Enterprise. I love how sleek it looks. But to me, Prime E okay. is like first contact. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the texturing, but I found I like the look of the Enterprise E more in first contact. I did, than, I did too. I think I agree. Then insurrection. But the problem, and even this is a problem with the D2, is it doesn't always look good. Like there's certain angles that just yeah, make the, like, that's the saucer section look way too big. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. Does this shot make my oh, saucer I section look a, too well, big? I mean, it's not. I, I don't know. I, I just thought it doesn't look as appealing. The, I don't mind it with the Enterprise D, I guess is what I'm saying. Even the D, <laughs> I feel like there's certain shots where I'm like, I don't know if I love it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I have fair. to think about That's the, the D. The D to me always looked like a beautiful luxury ship. I mean, when you look at the bridge mm. there, it is you're a going. Beautiful luxury it, ship. It's like a Marriott. It, that was always is, the joke. It is, it's like, it's yes, exactly. But the, the E goes back to being more of a functional. It looks more. It looks more battle ready. Yeah, well, it was supposed you know, to be more. It was supposed to. It was built to fight the Borg. Right. Right. So Didn't they mention that at first contact? Like it was yeah. supposed to be more of a fighting. I don't ship think than so. Uh, the either way, it has that look. And again, like the the sleekness of the nacelles, the the sleekness of the the saucer section. Just it, yeah, it looked. I mean, and it's amazing how big the captain's yacht was when it comes off the 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 bottom of the saucer section. Mm-hmm. It's that's a massive little mm-hmm. ship that comes off of it. Yeah, All I right. think it's it's supposed to be bigger than a sh- it's like bigger than a shuttlecraft. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but it's yeah, I like that. I seem to recall our friend of the podcast, Doug Drexler, saying that he did not care for the bridge design of the Enterprise E. Mm-hmm. That it was one of his least favorite designs. Um, Interesting. I'll have to what maybe we should the fact checkers should look that up. But uh okay. let's let's move let's move move right along here. Sure. Because there was supposed to be, I learned this this past week, mm-hmm. there was supposed to be a very special cameo. Uh, but it got cut from the film. And there was another actor related to this actor in a way that was also in the film, but his little scene got cut. Two beloved actors from the Trek universe, okay? Uh, Armin Zimmerman was supposed to play Quark. Oh, I remember this. That would have been cool. And then uh, Max Grodenchik uh, played an alien ensign or something, but his little scene got cut as well. So Rom, okay. uh, Quark's brother Rom, Max Max Grodenchik, who played Rom in Deep Space Nine, they both had their scenes cut from this film. And if you go to uh, the IMDb uh, website, it shows them listed as active characters, but that their roles were cut. So ah. isn't that well, interesting? Again, what, they did what mention DS Nine in the film, so yeah, that seems appropriate uh-huh. that there what, would what, be what, that what, crossover. What, what, well, mentioning it, yeah. What would I'm trying to think what. Would the would scene you, 
thin. Would he be trying to sell something, or I, I feel like he'd be trying to buy something from maybe the particles? Like I don't, I don't know what he, especially when they're super well, he far out. A broker or did they did yeah? Something. Or yeah. did they just need to stop at D Space Nine to maybe to get Warf because ah oh, Warf yeah no wait Warf yeah, I he think said he was Warf will have to take him delay his going back to D Space Nine. Right. Uh, so maybe that maybe that's mm. how it was. They were gonna get supplies or stop there or something on the way. You know, stop for an icy and a soft pretzel or well, something. Well, that would have been there. cool. Can I just mm-hmm. yell at one thing? Yeah, sure. Give Worf a chair. That's all. He still doesn't have a chair on the bridge. <laughs> Dude, okay. Remember when George Costanza gave the security guard a chair? Yep, and then the the story gets robbed. Right, so no, no. We have just crossed Star Trek and Seinfeld. Okay. Oh, I can keep doing it. I've got videos on Seinfeld that are like on my channel about Trek and Seinfeld. So we love them. Some people hate them. We've kind of we've kind of covered the CGI effects and Mm -hmm. then the special effects hold up. That was going to be kind of my next question we do feel generally that they do hold up which mm-hmm. i was surprised so. to find because i remember when the film came out i was like yeah i miss the models for the ships but seeing it with fresh eyes yeah. the effects really you know well, they're not they're not absolutely cutting modern you know but it's totally watchable and it doesn't get in the way of the film not one time did i go oh, that's a little cheesy, or that looks outdated, you know? Right. But now, could that partly be that you're now, after 25 years, you're used to seeing CGI ships, that well, you're now more attuned to it, so it doesn't it doesn't bother you like maybe it did 25 years ago? Well, the, 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 beauty, the interesting thing is, again, because they did that in CGI, it led to Star Trek Enterprise, the NX-01, mm-hmm. being completely digital. Never oh, yeah. made from mm-hmm. yeah. So in D Space took... Nine, shift made that shift part way through too. They mm-hmm. went from the models to totally CGI too at some point. So yeah. So I mean, it it did was groundbreaking in that ability mm-hmm. to develop, you know, purely and then gives so much flexibility for the artists and the creators to have to not you know build everything like you know like they had to build the Phoenix. For the mm-hmm. shots, I mean mm-hmm. that was built up from the ground up, and the I'm certain that the original Enterprise E that was used in First Contact mm-hmm. also was a model. But that's why you see the transition into this movie because now it's digitized. You can add a lot more chinkadera on it and make it mm. a little more detailed if you want. Mm. Yeah, so that's that. Give them kudos for doing. All that. right, so yeah, uh, this film also had a had a fair share of humor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. which I had forgotten about. So I have made a list of six humorous gags and I want you guys to pick one or two that are your favorites. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to just list these. Okay. Number one, and these are in no particular order. I don't think, um, number one, flotation device data. Yay! No. <laughs> my favorite line, my Elaine's as well. Our really? Favorite, just the way he delivered and in the curse of in the case of a uh, sea uh, ocean landing, I can be a flotation device. And he right. goes, Whoop, he raises up in the water. <laughs> now, Simple. Chris was joke. like, nope. Well, nope. It's, it's cute. <laughs> I like it. Really it doesn't make sense. I know. Of course, I know. That's, I what they, going with that's this, right? why it's silly because it makes no sense. And a joke is not supposed to make part sense. Two? Things are supposed to make sense. A little bit makes sense. <laughs> are you thinking about descent part two? 
when they talk no, about data I'm just thinking of like trying to like go through the whole Dr. Soong is creating this Android and he thinks to put in a flotation device or things to make like oh, okay. that's just that's just no I don't I don't think so he's trying to make a very human like android <laughs> humans right. don't it's, have flotation devices it was it was funny though I mean it kind of it's, 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 it's cute funny. it's funny but it doesn't make entire okay. all, right. all right you funny. didn't think it was funny Chris okay. I didn't think it was that funny okay. to be honest okay what about number two Worf's pimple yes that was funny <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What's even funnier is Riker Cute. just glaring Cute. at him. Right, just right. Like staring. <laughs> you and Klingons don't Data, do anything small, do you? And then when Picard's <laughs> like, it's hardly noticeable, and Data's like, no, it is. And then he goes back. Right, right. Picks it out. Okay. <laughs> All right, number three. Soft as an Android's bottom, eh, Data? That's cute. my okay. second favorite. Okay. I like that. But as was Elaine, it was, she it was liked funny that one when as Data well. went it's back cute. and kind of felt yes. it, stroked, yeah. his, stroked Riker's chin, and then nodded his head. No, like no, yep. no way. <laughs> that, that made that made the line. The line yeah. on its own was eh. The line with with uh, Data's gesture was perfect. It was right. good. Yes, yeah. have to do the whole thing. Yeah, I I remember my dad and I loving that in the theater in particular, mm -hmm. and then number four. This is kind of a weird one. I don't know why I have this in this uh, day after writing this or two days after writing it. Nice speed work, uh, the thing that Picard yeah, thing gets. I... You know, yeah, it just made Picard look a little goofy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I it. Mean, you know, it, that was a perfectly. I had no problem with the scene or that line. Mm. I didn't think of that line as being overly humorous. Just a line, nothing. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think of the, that being like a funny line. I thought like more the the neck stuff mm -hmm. when when Crusher's trying to like get the do up his collar and she's like, "You either need a new collar or a new neck." And he's like, "Well, well that, that, hasn't that was cute. That was but cute. that was also a little Chekhov's gun there right. because remember he looked at his neck later and that was when he started to realize the oh, thing. I didn't think he was looking at his neck. I just thought he was looking at his whole face and never thought about the He was looking at his whole face, neck. but remember, but he made that gesture like where he uh. turned his head and he kind of like pointed to or did something across his neck. I mean, like I said, I think that was kind of like the, you know, that was the the earlier plant. So when he sees his neck, he realizes, he remembers that they were just talking about it. And then he's like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. I know the secret. Yeah. All right. So so I'm skipping number five because I actually mentioned it in another special oh, segment. Well, and and you know, so I can't even remember that line in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't even, I don't even remember what contents or what okay. scene it was it's, in. It's, I guess I'll say it now that, mm -hmm. now that we've gone this far with it. Picard's in his quarters. Uh, he's feeling a little frisky, comes into his quarters and he says, computer, something, place, place, ah. something rather. And then play something. He goes, oh, and, you know, in Star hadn't. Trek, in the next gen, they always say, no, I don't want that. Play they always say, this, it's like, you know? no, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Goes, something something Latin. Latin. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay that's uh, fine. Now, then, I now remember. And then, then number six, my particular favorite mm -hmm. comedic sequence in this film is Troy and Crusher are sitting on the mountains. They're helping the Baku escape from the Sona. They've clearly noticed that things are getting younger and uh, they're having this conversation that Data happens to overhear and is confused by. And they say, have you noticed that your boobs are starting to firm up? Not that we care about such things these days, <laughs> I think Crusher or Troy responds. Mm -hmm. And then Data immediately goes over to Worf, has some techno babble conversation with them. And then he says to Worf, and have you noticed how your boobs are getting firmer? Not that we care about such things these days. You know, it's yeah. absolutely hysterical. I, uh, this is my issue. It's, it's amusing, <laughs> but I just feel like 
TNG movie data would not be making that comment. That seems more like, if anything, probably a season one data. Mm. But I feel like he's learned so much. I that he like doesn't that. Just... I mm-hmm. like that because I always yeah. thought something was off and I couldn't yeah. put my finger on it. But that's ex- that's exactly like, it. There's no wait, 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 wait. Okay. That's data <laughs> getting younger. Data's acting like first season data. He got younger hmm. too. Impossible, uh, but okay. Okay. Well, Okay. It's, it's hard because it's like I don't buy it, but there's also that time he was also affected by that the drunk thing uh-huh. that was the going naked on. Time. The naked so, time. Oh yeah, yeah that so was it's just, like okay, maybe he's they didn't know who Data really was back then when they were writing. Well, he should have been though. before. That's what it was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't so know. Did you it like tricorder seemed... Data in Generations better, or was that explained away because of the emotion chip? Over... Well, that was the emotion okay. chip, and I like that. That was good. I. It, Mr. It's Tricorder. funnier. So that gig wasn't funny, but it was more Jordy just being irritated by it that I think made the let that work. The difference is calm down. The difference between that bit in Generations and this is in Generations he did that all on his own. Essentially, he wasn't. You know, where in this case he was repeating something he heard, mm-hmm. and we're not even sure why he repeat, chose to repeat. I don't know. Other that's than, the, that's other than thing we I... know that this is funny. Like, why did he choose, out of all the things he overhears people saying, why is he choosing that? And that's how Stepper has been like Data's thing, where he doesn't just repeat random things to people when he hears something. Yeah. If there's like, if he hears a joke and then someone wants to do a joke, he'll repeat that or he'll repeat something in the context. And but he doesn't when... know that this is a, he doesn't know that this is a joke. And it's actually, it's not a joke. Right. Like, it's just an innocent conversation between. Uh-huh. It's, it's funny know, when. Day, the when real joke it. is when he says it to Worf, right. and Worf's like, "What the heck are you talking about?" Right. right. So Worf's, you know. Worf's face is like Worf's reaction to it mm-hmm. is always fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, one of my favorite Worf moments of all time was uh, Cupid in the Next Generation, where Jordy's playing the little that. mandolin. <laughs> no, playing pl- oh. playing the little mandolin mm-hmm. poorly, and Worf uh-huh. just casually walks up, grabs it by the neck of the guitar, and smashes it on the mm-hmm. tree trunk, hands it back, and goes, "Sorry." That's also, the best one of the best Worf moments of all time. Birthday party Worf is my favorite Worf. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yes. <laughs> to get away from comedy, <laughs> one, okay. get away from comedy. One of my favorite scenes in the entire Why do we film. Want to get away from comedy. Oh, I'm sorry. Just... Go for <laughs> no, it. No, Steve. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say no. When Jordy is able oh, to see God. with his own mm-hmm. eyes, so and he good. looks out, and he's able to see his first. What did he say? His first sunrise, or was sunrise. it sunset? Yeah, his first, first sunrise. sunrise. That was to me the most beautiful moment in the film because and he's got his own eyes they they take off the prosthetics they do the whole mm-hmm. and you go like that was like the moment where you go like okay you can understand why rejuvenation of life of your abilities or whatever mm-hmm. are so important i th- i thought it was a great moment well beautifully acted by lavar yeah. burton who's got yeah. some of the most expressive eyes in the business and the the beautiful sweeping melody that jerry goldsmith mm-hmm. weaves <laughs> in and out of that scene and of course beautifully shot and directed yeah. um i'm glad you brought that up because that yeah. is one of yeah. the brilliant moments of this film in my opinion so and it goes into what you want to talk about the next thing which is the yeah, music, the music. The i i love I, I have not kept it a secret that jerry goldsmith is my favorite uh film composer of all time and uh, my favorite track composer, certainly. 
Uh, this film score is beautiful. We've talked about the opening sequence, the sequence with mm-hmm. Jordy seeing his first sunrise, but it's also got a haunting aspect to it that I did not recall. I haven't listened to this score uh, in quite some time, uh, but I started to again, uh, actually while writing the show notes and uh, parts of it, especially around the sauna, there's some some of Jerry Goldsmith classic bringing in synthesized sounds into the orchestral realm of things um, that are just haunting. He did it beautifully with the film Hoosiers, mm-hmm. um, where that was an almost totally <laughs> synthesized soundtrack, actually. And he's known for that. He's known for bringing in that synthesized. did it with Planet of the Apes. Very unique soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All these crazy sounds. Oh, yeah. Um, and he kind of did that throughout this film off and on, too. And I felt like it just really made it a little different than his score for First Contact or even Nemesis, the film after this one. So I think First Contact is more inspiring. You know, it lifts you up. Mm-hmm. But this is more, you know, like you said it, it's it's more moody or whatever you know and also the fact that they brought in again tng music into it Mm. they brought tos music into it it was really really just all around you know very beautiful soundtrack that that added to the movie and the question the question i really want to ask is for adina did you adina while watching this film we've talked about this multiple times now folks where (laughs) where you know we've raved about the music and adina's like oh there was music (laughs) <laughs> oh there was music <laughs> I what I really need to probably put like a reminder in my phone or something if I'm going to go sit and watch a movie Oops. for you guys I need to make sure I'm paying attention I guess, well, but that's it but again that doesn't mean anything bad it just means that I'm focused on other elements of things and nothing about the music you know distract detracted because it's not it shouldn't detract right of course. so but I mean, I other than the intro outro, I can't really imagine. Um, I can't hear anything in my well, head. Well, you heard the introduction and the outro, so that's important. Fine. You know, it, it's it's and... fine. I generally don't have. I haven't had any issues um, with any Trek intros and outros. They're mm-hmm. all different. They're all what they are. Um, I'm very much a fan of Next Generation and the movies. The mm-hmm. movies in general, especially the earlier movies, but the movies in general. Mm-hmm. But other than that. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry. But you know something? If the music is so good, it's just there and it carries it along, then you, yeah. you know, it just, it, it, you don't have to like listen to it. It, it's just like voices in the background that carry the story right. forward. Right? Yeah. Now that said, I, I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I have a playlist because I use YouTube music and I have a playlist that is all the Trek instrumentals from any Trek ever mm-hmm. that, that's available on YouTube music in one playlist. And that is often what I have in the background while I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Not always. I have, I've yeah, listened to that as well. Yeah. It Go, goes through all the TV series, yeah. all the movies. It's really beautiful. And they yeah. keep adding to it yeah. as they go along. Yep. Beautiful. It's really nice. All yeah. right. Well, that's, that's cool. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to do something different and unique uh, for this show. We're introducing a new segment to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Are you ready, kids? Uh-huh. Ding, ding, mm-hmm. ding, 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 ding. Do we it's need a buzzer? called... Ah. 
That's done in post-production. Okay. It's called Love It or Hate It. There is no in-between. All right. So in this segment (laughs) of the show, in this segment of the show, I asked my co-host to choose whether they love or hate a particular scene, line of dialogue, plot line, character, or gag in the film. Are you guys ready to play Love It or Hate It? Yes. <laughs> what do okay. we have for the that winner, was Johnny? Less enthusiastic than I was hoping. <laughs> okay. But here well, we, we go. Have, like an in-between depends, maybe. No. Well, can, can we, can, that. Can we no, also say is... love it or hate it with a oh and by the way, with this a is the reason why yes, why well, we, we oh, explain why qualification we maybe. Okay. No, Ladies and gentlemen, this may be the one and only time we actually do love it or hate it now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> okay. Uh number one. Love it or hate it, Gilbert and Sullivan sing along shuttle, shuttle. Love it, Chase. Love it. Yeah. Chris love it. is a love it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a in the more on the loving it side. <laughs> I went to go see. I think I went to go see the actual um, pirates uh, of Penzance. Yeah, I saw it in Stratford because of this movie. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. it maybe like four or five years ago. And I was like, I know I'm, I know it's a whole play, but I'm going for that one. Little known, uh, song. little known fact about me: I was uh, dabbled in the theater in college. Mm-hmm. That was a high point of my college career, the first time go around, and I was asked to come back for a reunion of alumni even though i never graduated from the school i was a big enough part of the theater department they asked me to come back you missed all your finals and right and uh, watch Star Trek movies. So i sacrificed for that theater program like you wouldn't believe i skipped mm-hmm. all kinds of things mm-hmm. and uh um we sang a couple songs from pirates of Disney, so it was uh i liked it and also it proves that, no, that it, you have to answer but, no if i have to do okay, love it or hate wait, wait, it you have to no. do love it or hate it too i i like it <laughs> and also it proves that subspace rhapsody was not the first singing and dancing that oh, was no, in no, a star no, trek sure. movie. Yeah, they've always, that. they've always done yeah, that yeah that's right so for people who think that that might have been the first time music. it was done no <laughs> like i think every tng did, has data singing and i love point. data and singing he's great yeah, Data and yeah. the Dancing Doctor in Data's Day. They tap. Oh, wow, that's one of my favorite episodes. I love, yes. I love that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but yes. he has a great singing voice. Really does. Look, people and also, don't have to like Subspace Rhapsody, but they have to understand this is not the first time that music has been a big part of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. They, maybe mm-hmm. they haven't done a whole musical episode before, but there's been plenty of music in Star Trek for all of time. Absolutely. That's a fact. Okay. Okay. And number two of Love It or Hate It, the very special segment on this episode of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, Flirty Riker. Love it. Love it's it. about time. Love really? It. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cute. Because it is with Cute. Okay. Troy. Yeah. Because Troy. It's with Troy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. That rolls right along into number three, Clean Shaven Riker. Love it or hate it? Hate no. It. Hated, hated it. Hated yes. it with passion. He yes. he looked he looked younger, but he also lost that bravado that the beard gave to him. Yeah, I think I think clean shaven Riker only works when he's first season. He still got the bravado, but overall, a bearded Riker is a better Riker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed, one hundred percent. All right, number four, Mamba dancing Picard. Love it. Love it all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I, just, yeah. I liked it. I liked Mamba. it. It was okay. just very short lived. Very You're right, quick. Right, yeah. Very quick. Yeah. And then he he realizes he's DA. He's he's younger looking, and then he goes down and knocks on Donna Murphy's door. He How old out. are you? 
How old are you? Which yeah. you should never ask. It's a dumb you never question. ask a woman who's 300 years old see. how old she is. Okay? Yeah, she's mature enough, though. She could. Yeah. She knew what he was mm-hmm. really asking. All right, number five, heavy Riker uh, emphasis, uh, okay. joystick Riker, where I'm done running from these bastards. And he grabs the joystick, say, you know, and it's uh, the joystick I, pops out. And mm-hmm. what do you think mm-hmm. of that? I don't want to be a Star Trek fanboy, but I love it. It's I love no. it too. I, I think love- the only thing that takes away is the prop, but I think the idea of it's cool and his like his actioniness. Yeah, if that's yeah. a word. His he like, he, do, he yeah, almost does the Riker maneuver with his fingers around the thing too. He really, <laughs> he really wrapped him around and grabbed that sucker like you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. Like I like the concept, but not the actual joystick that was i just think it. if they okay. picked a different joystick that wasn't like one that you it like, looked it was like, like something a, for an atari or a yeah a ps1 or something like that like think but, more like tom parisi yeah because he was able to nail that when he gets the yeah. uh like the more tactile controls for the delta flyer mm-hmm. and they don't yeah. look cheesy they look cool yeah yeah I wonder, I, I, I wonder I, if they gave much thought to that or if they intentionally made it look like a joystick right out of the 80s or 90s so that I, they would get the laugh. Like, yes. I really think Or you it would was relate to it. You understand yeah. that that's with a joystick I, like that. I thought it was be. a lapse of judgment. I don't yeah. think they really mm-hmm. thought about it. I think it was like, what's what's a good prop that we can use? Yeah. Like, let's but, just let's mm-hmm. just get it and be done with the scene. Okay. But one last thing that... It, it felt like old-timey aircraft flying, but I remember Doug Drexler once saying, but spacecraft don't fly that way. Adina, do you agree? Right, Do they exactly. fly like airplanes well, or do they fly like spacecraft? They fly like spacecraft, but more to that, that point is in all of Enterprise D, and I wouldn't think that Enterprise E would go backwards, they controlled it with like a touchpad. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I don't like the joystick. It's like you're completely obliterating the types of controls and methods of control that you've been using for a long time now. Well, so mm-hmm. there's one one thing that suggests that maybe it was just a common feature because it's just different. But in um, Year of Hell, when Tuvok loses his eyes, he asked the computer to engage a ta- the tactile interface. So I feel like maybe that's something yeah. that's more than just like touchscreen. And I feel like the same reason that Tom Paris <clears throat> wanted to use it because... It could. I think you can well, control the ship a little bit better with the flying. I think trying you to need do. two. If that's like like you have on the like on the Apollo command modules mm-hmm. and the LEM, you need two to get all the directions. One is not enough to get all the directions mm. you need to do. So, so where where was the rudder pedals? Where well, were there the, was no, there's yeah. no rudder pedals. No, there's no, no but rudder. I'm just saying you're talking but about multiple axes right, that are I'm controlled by if, the if aircraft. The, if they're going to have not an air again, not, this is not an aircraft. This is a spaceship. Right, aircraft but is, it's is flying different. like it, it's flying like an airplane. But, but, but it's that's not just that's but that's all Star Trek though for the most yeah. part. Yes, and all sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody, not simmer down. Sci-fi. We're all friends here. Hey, I'm going to simmer up. Actually, I'm going to get angry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I should just call it quits now. All right. Yeah. all right, all right. Here we go. So most, so Chris, I think we're split in the middle. I think Chris and I like the joystick. Steven, I like the joystick. Oh, you did? Okay, the, okay, I okay. Did, yeah, oh, I, I, I didn't guess that. It, it, brought, it, it, it was like an Enterprise when you know Mayweather. He would grab the joystick and oh yeah, that's fly right. The NXO one that way when they're flying. To the the minefield. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Enough of that. So, moving right along. <laughs> Love but it or hate two. it. Number six, Bazooka Wharf. Always, every day, yeah. all day. Yeah. 
all year long. Come on, more shoot some hey, bazookas. If 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 yes. um um Beverly can have a pump action laser gun, a bazooka <laughs> has to happen oh, as well. That okay. Me. Gates McFadden is so badass in this movie. She is. That you know, that one of my favorite scenes actually, and I didn't realize it till the rewatching, was when they're gonna go down to the planet, but they leave Riker and Data behind. Picard takes Troy and Dr. Crusher down with him to do whatever badass stuff they're going to do. And Riker and Data have to go communicate. Oh, no, I think Data's down there. It's, it's uh, Jordy. Jordy. Up okay. There. Yeah, it was too. That to me was like, that is, I don't know if people like realize how subtly amazing that is. Because mm-hmm. it was clear that they were going down to fight. Picard is taking the two women down with him to fight. And the two oh, guys okay. are staying up on the ship. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Yeah. I was like, yeah. holy cow. That was in a movie 25 years ago. Go Star Trek. Right. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So we're all for Bazooka Wharf then. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. I just wish she could have said assimilate this again before mm-hmm. shooting the Bazooka. Uh, yeah, that would have been cool. Okay. Uh, but also, did you guys notice, I remember a point in this film, when they are um, the little uh, transporter flyer things all line yes, up the and taggers, they the all taggers. line up yeah it's it's Too magnificent seven that's a magnificent oh. seven oh. thing oh where they've come to save the villagers who can't fight for themselves this mm-hmm. is a, this is magnificent yeah, seven in actually, outer you're right space about that. i never thought about yeah. that you're right. so it's one of those things where it's a good shot it's a good moment but like the pausing like the, the, the drones just like you know what we're gonna give you a second you guys look mm-hmm. great we're gonna like let you have this moment, and then mm-hmm. we'll continue to tag you. Mm-hmm. It's like, but oh, then you no, have to they blow us do up. That. Yeah, yeah. blow us up. Yep. Okay. Well, and then but... on the other side is we're gonna gonna stare at these drones for a minute before we start shooting at them. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. It was on both sides that that pause was kind of stupid. It's magnificent it seven in space. All right, so yeah. number seven and final question for love it or hate it, and we'll let you, the fans, decide if you love or hate this segment. Uh, love is in the air, <laughs> the romance of Anish and Picard. Did you guys love it or hate it? Uh, I loved it. I gotta say, I know this is like, I'm, I'm so many loves it. I love their chemistry. The only thing that's annoying is he, she's never mentioned again. Ever. Come on. You have, you even make a point of saying to her, I have what, like 300 vacation days lined up or something. <laughs> Use them. Yeah. Right. Or on this planet, yeah, come back Can and I... not have to shave for a week. You know, I mean, yeah. Come on, I, I was, I I was like... secretly hoping Anish would show up in Picard. No. Oh, for sure. Or I like... was hoping we would see Donna Murphy in Picard. Really? Yes, and it never. I was happens. either hoping for a crusher, like let's either address that or let's have, yeah, let's have Anish because they've already established it. There was already the attraction there. I mean, they watched a hummingbird in slow motion. Okay. Can I I use a quote from a Disney film? Crazy. Go ahead and kiss the girl. I mean, come on. This is a romance? It looked more like they were best friends. They were not. She was caressing his head. That's uh, romantic. 
at least you know tr- uh, Riker and Troy had a nice little sex scene in the bathtub. Okay, that freaks that me was out. sexy. As Even though kid, it's a little creepy, but at least it was, hey, and it was these two so are having obvious. some fun. It was so obvious with all that shaving cream on him that he was already clearly oh, yeah, clean that's shaven. What, that's what he... Elaine said. She goes, no, no, he's already clean shaven. Nobody gets that. <laughs> Nobody does that. But I mean, that was good, you know? No, and, then, you know and the moment. It's scared like, Chris. Because I was a kid and nudity, it was like I remember like seeing first They're contact. Not nude. They don't see anything. No, They're no, but like up to their neck. When there was the implication of nudity. Like as a kid, <laughs> my parents were like, "Hey, when you go see first contact, you have to close your eyes at the beginning because that part's going to be scary." Didn't scare me. Yeah, bugs in the ear. Okay, that did scare me. Yeah, but like staples in the back of the head stapling skin no problem but like goodness gracious when there's nudity i'm like they're not supposed to get nude this is star trek we don't have nudity on this series what's happening but i gave him so when when you have the moment of you know when the cave falls in and picard comes to her side and tries to support her and everything it happens so quickly and all of a sudden then i cut the next scene and she's up standing around and she's okay I would have loved to have seen a little more intimacy between the two of them in that moment about I how there was. Like he was he's really afraid. Stressed. I don't know. It just it 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 went by just too quickly. It didn't have the intensity that I thought they really could have had. But then that's me. So I'm sorry. Right. I'm I I kind of liked it. Um. But I was a little jealous of Patrick Stewart. But whatever. I um, I agree. I'm I'm right so. there with you. Like if you've done it every once in a while, I don't number. want to answer the question. Okay. I don't want to answer the question. So I'm going to deflect okay. oh, and basically be like, really? there was implied nudity in but, Next Generation. Yeah. That episode, I'm trying, I'm blanking on the Are name of the episode. Uh, of X-Men? What's no. her name? Oh. Well, no. Yeah, okay. The Loxana Troy. Yeah, in the, in, the, in the mud bath. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, Hey, I don't think I saw. I don't think I saw that episode as a kid. I I don't feel like that's not one that I remember. My dad, my dad made me change. We changed the station during that scene. I just can't believe you mentioned this. It's coming back so vividly. He was afraid of what they might show. Oh, watching it. It was on normal TV. What are they going to like show? Yeah. No, no. I mean, hey, hey, go back to go back to even TOS. Every time Kirk got out of bed and he would adjust his shirt you know he yeah. just put it on because he and that alien lady well you know what just <laughs> and happened there was practical side boobage and a lot of like oh my gosh yeah. original series episodes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i'm just remember how adept i was when i saw like with original series i feel like i was too young for that mm-hmm. but like again it was just me being a kid well, i remember was, even as a kid yeah. being stressed out about the enterprise e being heavily damaged in that movie because I was used to thinking of the Enterprise E as being like the super ship that we see at the beginning of First Contact. Mm-hmm. So when like the smoke or not the smoke, mm-hmm. um, yes, like venting out when of they're the venting, cells. yeah, they're, when they're venting mm-hmm. whatever they're venting plasma, I remember being really worried, like, oh my gosh, but this is supposed to be Enterprise E. Oh, wait, it don't hurt. Not yeah, even the mud kid. bath. Not even the mud bath. At the end of the episode, when Lawaxana Troy just walks naked through ten forward at her. Oh, you're wedding. right. You're the wedding. I forgot. Right. We don't mm-hmm. see anything. We don't see anything. This is on normal yes. TV, so we don't dumb see anything. Dumb kid. That's and all I'm saying. Hey, just kids, dumb kid. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise. You know the scene where. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was actual Joe? things. Ha- right. There was actual. Yeah, stuff she completely disrobes, and you're like, okay, you're. 
Yes. It's right there, kids. Well, r- right. And there was actual implication of stuff happening where in the, the episode with Little Walks on a Troy, nothing's happening. Right. They're just, right. They're just yeah. taking a mud yeah. bath and she's following her custom, which is yeah. to be naked at your wedding. How did and we start I talking is, about nakedness? Oh, just because I was just bringing up. <laughs> I said, I, as a kid, again, this Implied is a kid. or this Otherwise, is dumb, but you guys are like applying all this logic to a dumb kid that doesn't <laughs> wasn't thinking about every episode. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm to... I, I guess my point is there's implied nudity and then there's implied sexual stuff. Yes. They're different things. No, mm-hmm. they're very yes, different things. So yes, in the bathtub scene, there's implied nudity and sexual stuff. But yeah, in, yeah because but implied right. nudity is not well. There's been both, well, I guess. In, I, yeah, you know, but I wasn't. I wasn't making an argument yeah. as to whether the whether I was like valid in that concern this is just again this is me as a dumb kid who's not thinking about is this a sex nudity or is this like we're just chilling in a bath like in a mud bath and now we're going to try and get wharf into the mud bath nudity not with candles lit kids not so i've lost all control of this podcast right now (laughs) okay Uh, i I apologize everybody special (laughs) ending to the love it or hate it segment but i'm just gonna say screw it uh, hey, and thought, uh, move on to. Ending. Did, we, did we lose our special ending privileges? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, drama here. Uh, you may or may not hear that segment again in future episodes. All of the right. Big and finally, after rewatching this film with fresh eyes, and hopefully mm-hmm. because it's been 25 years since this film debuted, and we're all a bit more mature, right, Chris? You and I, we, we can handle more adult themes, I hope. I can't uh, handle it now. What would what would you rate this film today out of five stars? And we're gonna start with Adina. Oh out man, five stars. Mm-hmm. I want to say in the range of three and a half to four. Okay, Not okay, yeah. interesting. Okay, three point eight. I'll say three point three point eight. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. I think I have to go with three point eight then because I was originally <laughs> gonna go with three point five, but I think I enjoyed this more than Adina and most actually I enjoyed this more than most fans. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, probably three point eight, because I I know it's not like a great movie, but it's it's one that I go mm-hmm. back to a few times a year. Just because I'm like, you know, okay. I'm in an insurrection. Can I ask mood. a question? Well, that's the thing is, is the scale comparing it to other movies or comparing it to all of Trek? That's a good question. I I generally, when I think of this, I think of, um, well, do I? I was gonna say all movies, but do I yeah. really? I think I think when I do a five star rating, it's generally in reference to all movies. You know, Which... you're you're the in, in honestly, this rating system is meant for your enjoyability. <laughs> mm-hmm. How oh, you yeah. enjoy watching this individual film, <laughs> what you would rate it. Okay. Okay. Well, and I, the to... only reason I ask is because mm-hmm. if I'm thinking a bit against the episodes, this was a really like we said at the very beginning okay. here tonight. This was a great episode, so I might rate it a little bit higher. But okay. if I'm thinking of it as it is a movie, so I'm thinking of it as a movie. That's why yeah. I think we have to. All right. okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, All my right. three point eight, three point seven. I think stands. I think that's fair for you guys and Chris. For you in particular, I'm really fascinated by that because you said something really important. You say you go back to this film several times a year. Well, here's the thing. Like, this is always the problem because I go back to all the Star Trek a lot more than I probably should, even the bad ones. With the exception <laughs> of Nemesis, I realized that. But before, I'd say, let's say 2022, me, I enjoyed mm-hmm. Nemesis, and I'll watch that maybe every couple of years. Now I've downgraded it to if I'm stuck in traffic, 
<laughs> or if I'm going to go on a long drive, you know, maybe I'll pop in some Nemesis because I can listen to it, but I don't actually have to be fully engaged with it. Because mm. I remember rewatching it a couple, maybe last year and just being like, this isn't, I'm not liking anything about this. Whereas he's growing I, up so fast, kids. Even the final, like, but the thing is, like with the other movies, I can enjoy the film while fully recognizing why I, w- like, I would never say mm-hmm. to someone, you're going to love Final Frontier. It's an incredible movie, but I can appreciate it even though it has a lot of flaws because I have a lot of fond memories of watching yeah. it as a kid. Um, yep. and, I, and I enjoy that, even though, again, it's not something that I would say, oh, this is like, oh, don't worry about Oppenheimer. You got to go see Insurrection. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that. All right. May, All right. may I may yeah, I chime in Steve. now? And Please I'm going to use an analogy of my favorite sport in this mm. right statement. At best, it's a three. It was more like a two-hour episode than a movie. And after first contact, which was like hitting a home run, and your next at bat is more like a soft grounder to the shortstop and an out at first base. Agreed. It 100%. was good, a great action, but just not a home run. You're talking about baseball, not cricket, right? Yes, I'm talking I thought about it was baseball. soccer. <laughs> <laughs> baseball, the great American that was sport. A joke. Take me Bad out joke. to the Sorry, was a joke. Take me. Okay. <laughs> right. So my rating of this film <laughs> is trying to get Steve to stop singing as quickly as possible. We we <laughs> I love you, Steve. Thank um, you. so my rating of this film is I'm surprised at how high Adina and Chris rated this. I think it's uh, about a two point five. Okay, so, wow. which which I will tell I was, you this. I will tell I you have, this. There's a lot I love about this film, but I think I really do like to rate films based on film in general. But there are a ton of two point five films that I would go and rewatch that I genuinely enjoy. I would not put them on the same level as a first contact let me blow some minds here or a casablanca or a ben-hur mm-hmm. or gone with the wind or whatever the great films of time past are you know um fill in the blanks for your own personal preference there but uh i think 2.5 but i say that saying i do love this film now i think i've i think it's got more charm than i remembered and it's, it does have a lot to like, not unlike a final frontier that if you just right. give it another shot, you'll mm-hmm. find stuff in it that you'll go, ah, you know what? Yeah, this is worth watching again. So so I've got a question then, Brian. So when you see this the first time, what's the level of what's your emotion like? Oh, this wasn't first contact. And I skipped a final exam to go see I this. I could Are care you less like, about the final. Oh, no? I was more <laughs> worried about my folks finding out than I was about. Oh, okay. So there wasn't the... any like level of disappointment. Like, oh, this so wasn't So you were skipping. skipping the final exam no matter what. You just got happened to have a Star Trek movie to distract you. Uh, more or less. Okay. Yeah. Just, just. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. okay. So it was in fact, some of my, I had a choir concert that night that mm-hmm. I wasn't about to skip. And I had mm-hmm. some Trekkie friends on in that choir, and they were shocked I had the time to get away to watch. I, you know, I didn't tell them how I had the time to get away and watch this thing. Um, but anyways, now, enough I, about me. I, well, I need also, to, to, be, <laughs> to be clear, you know, I'm, I'm making fun of you skipping an exam and all that stuff. But uh, if folks haven't heard me talk about this, 
I talk very often in like STEM contexts about how terrible I was as a student. So I'm not just throwing stones in the pot, calling the kettle black. I really, I was a terrible student myself. So I can, I can make fun because I talk about that as a, it's not the end of the world to be a terrible student. You can right. still have a successful career, successful life, mm-hmm. all those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm and... just having fun with Brian because he lets me. Yeah, We like to have, <laughs> we like to poke fun hey, all of hey, us at hey. each other, but <laughs> Just in case my kids ever listen to this, you kids know I went back and finished my degree later in my adult life and made some of those mistakes because I just was bad because I was immature, didn't mm-hmm. understand the yep. gift of the education at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and I I I want to say too on a personal note, um, uh, it, there were things that I deeply regret about not doing well in school and not focusing on my studies at the time, um, but it's all part of life's journey. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it's not necessarily how you get there. It's that you get there as long, as long as you're not hurting people along the way and being a jerk along mm-hmm. the way. And so work hard. You can overcome anything kiddos yep. um, and have a good attitude ultimately. So I want to thank you guys for being willing to go down memory lane with me on this episode of the big sci-fi cod podcast, Codcast. What's a Codcast? Podcast. It's, it's fishing. It's fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you genuinely enjoyed watching this film again, as we hope you, the fans, might be inspired to do the same. Sometimes you just need to watch something with a good ethical theme and hopeful outcome, which this film does have. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to smile at the end of a film, and I think this film does just that. It's not the best Trek film ever, but it's fun and different from any of the other Trek films in the series, which helps it stand out a bit. Whether you love or hate this film, waka waka, give it another try and see what you think. You might just be surprised. Until next time, make sure to check out the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, of which we're a proud part of. And the next time you get to hitch a ride on a Sona ship and you're asked to sit in a weird looking chair, go ahead. I like that chair. The girls can take 20 years off your face. Godspeed and live life for more than just your own well being. Be kind, be courteous and compassionate remember the best way to feel joy is to give it freely and wholeheartedly to others i leave you with these words from the late admiral dougherty it was all for the federation